Happy Monday. And I thought we should kick it off with a little bit more umph today because they're coming in hot and we should be coming in hotter considering we're their deadly threat. So welcome to the Tory Sash Show. Today is the 7th of August, 2023. Oh, gosh darn it. I just realized that, oh, you know, I'd like to give you guys like a heads up of what we're going to do. We're going to go back and take a trip down memory lane from March 2020. And then we're going to go even further back and talk about history. And then we're going to give a nod to Maria Bartiromo for, you know, in 2018, kind of mentioning something, but then quickly shutting up, though. I have to bring to your attention a chilling reality that lurks within the very heart of modern society. This insidious form of slavery masked under the cloak of healthcare. In a world that pride itself on progress and compassion, we cannot ignore the shadows that taint those alleged noble intentions. Behind the polished facade of hospitals, clinics, and pharmaceutical companies, an unseen web of exploitation ensnares countless individuals. They're trapped in a system where their suffering becomes a commodity where their pain is manipulated to serve the interests of profit and power. The chains that bind these victims are not made of iron, but misinformation, economic disparity, and a lack of access to basic innate human rights. The vulnerable are marginalized, lured by the promise of healing, understanding, and love find themselves ensnared in a cycle of dependency, stripped of their autonomy and dignity. The horror lies not only in the direct exploitation, but also in the indifference of society that allows this travesty to persist. We have become more complicit in a silent agreement, turning a blind eye to the cries of those suffering within the very institutions meant to protect them. But as chilling as this reality may be, we must not allow ourselves to be paralyzed by despair. There is hope, and there are solutions to break these chains and free our fellow human beings from this modern form of slavery. We must first and foremost prioritize education and awareness, but this is becoming increasingly difficult only because the core of the issues that people discuss is being bypassed. Shedding light on this dark area of society and the root of the cause of the, and shall I say, byproducts of it, will allow us to expose the perpetrators without a shadow of the doubt and empower everyone because every single one of you listening right now are victims to this. To break free from the bondage of ignorance, we must be advocating for policies and regulations that protect the vulnerable and ensure access to actual health care. No one 
should be held captive by a system that exploits their pain and desperation. Organizations that combat modern slavery and human trafficking are to be provided resources, of course, right? But here's the issue. Why is human trafficking such a big trade in today's society? Is a question no one seems to answer except for, hey, everyone's evil. It's satanic. But that's correct in a sense that this is complete and utter evil. But what we must be asking ourselves is why is the focus there when it's not the source of the industry? And I've said this many, many, many times before. This isn't something that I'm just manifesting. Anyone that has listened to anything I have said, written or tweeted, truth, Facebook, texted, and met with me and spoke. This is fact. In the pursuit of progress, let's not forget the value of compassion and empathy. In the pursuit of progress, let's not forget that it is well received by those that wish to deceive. For you to focus on a byproduct like the child sex industry or a byproduct like the sex slave industry rather than the source of all of it when it's staring at you in the face. And, you know, that's how evil exists. Ignorance and misinformation, where people trust nothing. But when something seems atrocious, they run and they grab it with their teeth and they focus only on that. What is it called? Uh, stereo, mm, myopic, ah, tunnel vision. We need to take those blinders off and it's time to confront this chilling reality with unwavering determination. We, the people, have to be the voices for the voiceless, the champions of justice, the architects of change. And only through collective action and unwavering resolve do we break these chains of modern slavery hidden within the healthcare system and forge an actual future where every soul is free and treated with compassion and respect that they deserve. In the quest of self-preservation, many, many claiming to be on the side of the people bury and ignore true and helpful information, adopting the perilous strategy of feeding the alligator, hoping it eats you last. And some are doing this unknowingly because it's their shtick, the byproduct. You never look further. It's almost like in a, in a, a murder case. Once the police find their assailant that they believe is the perpetrator, they look no further. They look no further. They focus, they hyper-focus. They're not doing justice. Yet the byproduct hyper-focusing 
should open the eyes to that little byproduct of the actual industry so that people with the ability can see below that. It just doesn't just spear up. Oh yeah. You know, in ancient times, they used to like sacrifice children. They used to eat them. They used to have sex. And that's been happening forever. So what is the industry? How is it expensive? Oh, it's because they're all perverts. Yes, they are. And boy, you'll be surprised. You probably have perverts in your family that you don't even know about. I mean, hey, I'm supposed to be really smart. And they were around me. So again, do not feed the alligator hoping it feeds you last, focusing on short term. See, these actions, their actions of hyper-focusing on one area for short-term games, clicks, you know, a lot. Over the long-term well-being of humanity, well, we must all start seeing through this deception and demand transparency and accountability to safeguard and, well, our collective future, I guess. To unravel this chilling tale, where leaders of nations for over five decades have colluded and participated in conducting medical experience, experiments um, under the deceptive guise of healthcare and pharmaceutical development. Today should challenge your perceptions of what really is at the core of human trafficking and why it's such a massive industry. But it should challenge your perceptions of medicine and its true purpose in our lives. This is a dark and clandestine alliance between those in power and those at the top echelon of the medical, I would say, pharmaceutical community. They've been operating in the shadows, like just exploiting the trust and vulnerability of their own people, all in the name of progress and advancement, of course. And as the years go by, we have been observing an alarming correlation between the rising number of diseases around the world and the seemingly exponential growth of medical discoveries and interventions growing in parallel. The more advancements we have in medicine, the more diseases we have. Cancer, AIDS, <laughs> and numerous other ailments that plague the global population, leaving us to question if medicine is genuinely advancing to help or if it's a more sinister agenda that threatens humanity. In this realm, the lines between good and evil are actually blurred, and the distinction between savior and oppressor becomes muddled. In the pursuit of medical breakthroughs, which was once a beacon of hope, is now shrouded in doubt. Raising concerns about intentions behind this, these so-called advancements that I've been Sounding the alarm for a long time. This is such a dilemma, but it's a very sobering realization that our very saviors are also our tormentors. This is why I requested that everyone file those FOIAs to the CDC and even the NIH if you wish. Send a copy of it to your senator and to your congressman and demand that they respond and demand an investigation 
into the database that holds all information about your health and how you are nothing but a number, nothing but a lab rat from the day you were born. Every doctor's, dentist visit, every surgery, pregnancy, miscarriage, every medication, antibiotic to life-dependent medication that you take, documented. And not only that, you're segregated by your sex, by your race, by your age, by your genetic makeup. And then you're further segregated by which pharmaceutical company is leading the charge in examining patients that are taking life-saving medications such as insulin that are part of this genetic pool or that racial pool or that gender pool or that age group. Do you see how that works? Don't be swayed by the allure of technical technological and medical miracles that they claim. Instead, examine the motives behind the science. There have been so many documented unethical experimentation <sighs> events throughout history in the exploitation and the exploitation of man in the name of progress. And history bears witness to the suffering of countless souls who fell victim to such abuses. Now, do we forget the Nazis? Do you think that, that when they started their experimentation, they just chose the Jews? No, they just said those are lesser citizens, almost like the way in the United States, Fauci considered the minority, the black populations, the ghettos, as one would say, of our nation. The perfect experimental pool. And this is why they pushed the vaccine so hard there. See, today we're going to go back in history and discuss this. You know, we can start discussing uh, once again, again and again and again, how all our medical experimentation had been conducted on the continent of Africa, that the whole world, right, as you know it, kept that nation in the dark with no electricity, no communications for a reason. Keep them stupid but also never forget how greedy they are. And we'll revisit that too. All of us during this unsettling narrative that we are living in this war must remain vigilant and demand transparency and accountability for those entrusted with not only our well-being, but our federal tax dollars too. And the power of medicine should be harnessed to heal and uplift humanity to manipulate and control it is just evil. But we saw that. There were doctors that took an oath, and I think I even wrote an article in 2020, how the Hippocratic Oath was out the window. They are not there to cure you. They are there just to make money for those that fund them. That's it. Period. Knowingly or unknowingly. I would say it's a mix of both. That's how I would justify my actions in the past that I am ashamed of. As we contemplate this thin line between progress and peril, we must remember that true medicine must stand for the advancement of humanity, not its destruction, not its dependency. It's in our hands to navigate this intricate web of truth and deception and to emerge on the side that ensures the betterment of humankind. Now, I don't know where I want to start. I mean, should I start 
on how we must confront the haunting reality that the chiefs of the African tribes, let's say, that once participated in the inhumane practice of selling their own people into slavery is here. And that your own selected officials, you know, because we're all voting to give them more rights over us, right? Because elections are so safe. <laughs> this is just how dumb humans are. Just how dumb, myopic, and, and, and hyper-focused they are. I see people that preach freedom and patriotism that bleed whatever, red, white, and blue, whatever they allege claiming that forfeiting more of their rights to change their laws or amend their constitutions, such as removing these fuckers and changing those stopbacks that they have, right? Backstops, whatever you want to call it, as something good. Because it's good, because we're going to take the rights away from other Americans that are demented. <laughs> you sound just like the left. We should harvest ballots. But the left did it, and you yelled, saying it's unethical. It doesn't matter. We have to do it, too. The left is screaming that Republicans and conservatives should have no rights and no say. But they never actioned on it. Yet the conservatives are saying the same thing now. We need to give more power to those in office. So that way, the demented Democrats have less rights. The fuck? That means your rights, too, idiot. But, you know. They all knew you would follow the stars. And that's how it works. There's a lot of brass involved in this. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. These disgusting bottom feeders. Obfuscating truth. You know, I had a little bit of pleasure because all of the, you know, freedom lovers you know tori you shared that gbn video with that woman talking about trump's thing she's such a grifter she's pushing misinformation this isn't right it's the shit that she says it's the shit that she says it's probably part of her op and then president trump tweets it and where are they now shit huh. that's because they're left out in the cold see slowly but surely people will realize when they've pissed in the well way too much, nobody likes them anymore, right? That's the thing. Uh, there used to be a saying back in the days that, you know, hey, when someone didn't, when your tribe didn't like you, people would be like, why don't they, why don't they like you? Did you take a piss in the well? You know, the well that everyone drinks from? That's exactly it. Deception is a, a very, very sexy dance. And as someone that had a career in lying, I could tell you, you got to be able to do all of it. The, the, the ballroom, all of it, from tango to cha-cha to you name it. You can't just be a one-trick pony. And see, because most of these disgusting individuals that are perpetuating the disinformation or the tunnel vision. And then some that are good individuals that just have no idea they're doing it, but they're so thirsty for this approval. Man, in the past decade, mankind has moved their, uh, I would say their point of uh, approval from their family and friends or God to the internet. 
If people follow me, they like me. Uh, they share what I have to say. I mean, there are some influencers that I've come across and I've just listened to. Some of them haven't even seen me in person, but they've seen me in disguise and they don't even know. <laughs> and so like big names and, and you know, on my channels, I share everybody's information like DC Drano probably paid placement. You know, there's a lot of money going around for this issue one in Ohio. Who knows? Or maybe he's just stupid. Or maybe he was just asked to retweet because, you know, people do that. Hey, can you retweet my stuff? Can you like put a post on this? This is really important. We need to show people that it's okay to take the rights away from the Democrats and give them all to the selected officials because America. I'll still share a shit because information's information. Or Toria Brooke. I heard that she's like really stuck up. And actually, I think there's voice recordings of that because they've been monitoring her and I saw the discussions and they're going to put it out on she's this, she's that, and she's not. She's a little bit rough around the edges. Thinks she's more important than she is. Yes. But, you know, I warn and I make statements, you know, kind of like I try to tell Seth Keschel, who hated me because he knew that I was right. His was bullshit. Should have looked at Alaska. Nobody listened because they knew best. I know best. Okay. Sure you do. Where are we now? Where are you now? Okay. Now, the horrors of the human trafficking trade exists, as I said, visibly and invisibly, hidden in plain sight, preying on the most vulnerable among us. The border, for example, psh, huge. I mean, they've got demand and they need to give the supply. This happens from the bustling cities of, you know, Western worlds to the remote corners of the world where they're swimming in garbage. Individuals that are bought and sold like shadow stripped of their freedom and dignity for the profit and pleasure of others, of course. The horrors of human trafficking permeate our societies with countless lives trapped. Men, women, and children fall prey to this insatiable greed of those who see them as expendable commodities. We must be the ones confronting this evil head on. We must. You know, as I said earlier in the annals of history, we witness the aberrant actions of the Nazis who chose the Jewish population as expendable pawns for their cruel and inhumane experience. Deemed less important than other Germans, so they were stripped of their dignity and humanity and subjected to unspeakable horrors in the name of science, but it could have been the chiefs selling their own. You know, there was a man who talked about this uh, entrapment, this uh, this socialized medicine. And the reason for the socialized medicine is not to help you. It's to enslave you and to own you. You know, you could buy a lot of things with money. You could buy an island, a house, a Snickers bar, right? Maybe a company, maybe any, a planet, as they allege, right? Or a piece of moon rock or an asteroid. You buy yourself a trip to space. But the one thing your ass can't do is buy health. Your health is the most precious thing you own because that is your clock. From the minute you take your first breath until your last, that's your time. And your time is dependent on your health. And your health is dependent on your time too. 
You think money can buy that? We should ask Steve Jobs how that worked out for him. Let's take a trip back in time to 1961 and take a good, hard listen. Never know what you might hear that'll wake you up to the evil that is perpetuated right now. My name is Ronald Reagan. I have been asked to talk on uh, several subjects that have to do with the problems of the day. It must seem presumptuous to some of you that a member of my profession would stand here and attempt to talk to anyone on serious problems that face the nation and the world. It would be strange if it were otherwise. Most of us in Hollywood are very well aware of the concept or the misconception that many people, our fellow citizens, have about people in show business. It was only a generation ago that the people of my profession couldn't be buried in the churchyard. Of course, the world has improved since then. We can be buried now. As a matter of fact, the eagerness of some of you to perform that service gets a little frightening at times. Now, back in 1927, an American socialist, Norman Thomas, six times candidate for president on the Socialist Party ticket, said the American people would never vote for socialism. But he said, under the name of liberalism, the American people will adopt every fragment of the socialist program. There are many ways in which our government has invaded the precincts of private citizens, the a method of earning a living. Our government is in business to the extent of owning more than 19,000 businesses covering 47 different lines of activity. This amounts to a fifth of the total industrial capacity of the United States. But at the moment, I'd like to talk about another way because this threat is with us and at the moment is more imminent. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. It's very easy to disguise a medical program as a humanitarian project. Most people are a little reluctant to oppose anything that suggests medical care for people who possibly can't afford it. Now, the American people, if you put it to them about socialized medicine and gave them a chance to choose, would unhesitatingly vote against it. We had an example of this. Under the Truman administration, it was proposed that we have a compulsory health insurance program for all people in the United States, and of course, the American people unhesitating rejected this. So, with the American people on record as not wanting socialized medicine, Congressman Farrand introduced the Farrand Bill. This was the idea that all people of Social Security age should be brought under a program of compulsory health insurance. Now, this would not only be our senior citizens, this would be dependents and those who are disabled, this would be young people if they are dependents of someone eligible for Social Security. Now, Congressman Farrand brought the program out on that idea of just that particular group of people. But Congressman Farrand was subscribing to this foot-in-the-door philosophy because he said, if we can only break through and get our foot inside the door, then we can expand the program after that. Walter Ruther said, it's no secret that the United Automobile Workers is officially on record as backing program national health insurance. And by national health insurance, he meant socialized medicine for every American. Well, let's see what the socialists themselves had to say about it. They say, once the Farrand bill is passed, this nation will be provided with a mechanism for socialized medicine capable of indefinite expansion in every direction until it includes the entire population. Well, we can't say we haven't been warned. Now, Congressman Farrand is no longer a congressman of the United States government. 
He has been replaced, not in his particular assignment, but in his backing of such a bill by Congressman King of California. It is presented in the idea of a great emergency that millions of our senior citizens are unable to provide needed medical care. But this ignores the fact that in the last decade, 127 million of our citizens in just 10 years have come under the protection of some form of privately owned medical or hospital insurance. Now the advocates of this bill, when you try to oppose it, challenge you on an emotional basis. They say, what would you do? Throw these poor old people out to die with no medical attention? That's ridiculous, and of course, no one has advocated it. As a matter of fact, in the last session of Congress, a bill was adopted known as the Kerr-Mills Bill. Now, without even allowing this bill to be tried, to see if it works, they have introduced this King Bill, which is really the Ferran Bill. What is the Kerr-Mills Bill? It is a frank recognition of the medical need or problem of our senior citizens that I've mentioned. And it is provided from the federal government money to the states and the local communities that can be used at the discretion of the state to help those people who need it. Now, what reason could the other people have for backing a bill which says we insist on compulsory health insurance for senior citizens on a basis of age alone, regardless of whether they are worth millions of dollars, whether they have an income, whether they're protected by their own insurance, whether they have savings. I think we could be excused for believing that, as ex-Congressman Ferran said, this was simply an excuse to bring about what they wanted all the time, socialized medicine. James Madison, in 1788, speaking to the Virginia Convention, said, since the general civilization of mankind, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachment of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. They want to attach this bill to Social Security, and they say here is a great insurance program now instituted, now working. Let's take a look at Social Security itself. Again, very few of us disagree with the original premise that there should be some form of saving that would keep destitution from following unemployment by reason of death, disability, or old age. And to this end, Social Security was adopted. But it was never intended to supplant private savings, private insurance, pension programs of unions and industries. Now, in our country, under our free enterprise system, we have seen medicine reach the greatest heights that it has in any country in the world. Today, the relationship between patient and doctor in this country is something to be envied any place. The privacy, the care that is given to a person, the right to choose a doctor, the right to go from one doctor to the other. But let's also look from the other side at the freedom the doctor loses. A doctor would be reluctant to say this. Well, like you, I'm only a patient, so I can say it in his behalf. The doctor begins to lose freedoms. It's like telling a lie, and one leads to another. First, you decide that the doctor can have so many patients, they're equally divided among the various doctors by the government. But then the doctors aren't equally divided geographically. So a doctor decides he wants to practice in one town, and the government has to say to him, you can't live in that town, they already have enough doctors, you have to go someplace else. And from here, it's only a short step to dictating where he will go. This is a freedom that I wonder whether any of us have the right to take from any human being. I know how I'd feel if you, my fellow citizens, decided that to be an actor, I had to become a government employee and work in a national theater. Take it into your own occupation or that of your husband. All of us can see what happens once you establish the precedent that the government 
can determine a man's working place and his working methods, determine his employment. From here it's a short step to all the rest of socialism to determining his pay, and pretty soon your son won't decide when he's in school where he will go or what he will do for a living. He will wait for the government to tell him where he will go to work and what he will do. In this country of ours took place the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in world's history, the only true revolution. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another. But here, for the first time in all the thousands of years of man's relation to man, a little group of men, the Founding Fathers, for the first time, established the idea that you and I had within ourselves the God-given right and ability to determine our own destiny. This freedom was built into our government with safeguards. We talk democracy today, and strangely we let democracy begin to assume the aspect of majority rule is all that is needed. Well, majority rule is a fine aspect of democracy, provided there are guarantees written in to our government concerning the rights of the individual and of the minorities. What can we do about this? Well, you and I can do a great deal. We can write to our congressmen, to our senators. We can say right now that we want no further encroachment on these individual liberties and freedoms. And at the moment, the key issue is we do not want socialized medicine. Now, you may think when I say write to the congressman or the senator that this is like writing fan mail to a television program. It isn't. In Washington today, 40,000 letters, less than 100 per congressman, are evidence of a trend in public thinking. Representative Halleck of Indiana has said, when the American people want something from Congress, regardless of its political complexion, if they make their wants known, Congress does what the people want. So right, it's as simple as finding just the name of your congressman or your senator, and then you address your letter to that individual's name, if he's a congressman, to the House Office Building, Washington, D.C., if he's a senator, to the Senate Office Building, Washington, D.C., and if this man writes back to you and tells you that he too is for free enterprise, but we have these great services and so forth that must be performed by government, don't let him get away with it. Show that you have not been convinced. Write a letter right back and tell him that you believe in government economy and fiscal responsibility, that you know that governments don't tax to get the money they need. Governments will always find a need for the money they get, and that you demand the continuation of our traditional free enterprise system. You and I can do this. The only way we can do it is by writing to our congressman, even if we believe that he's on our side to begin with, to strengthen his hand, give him the ability to stand before his colleagues in Congress and say, I have heard from my constituents and this is what they want. Write those now, call your friends and tell them to write them. If you don't, this program, I promise you, will pass just surely as the sun will come tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of as we have known it in this country. Until one day, as Norman Thomas said, we will awake to find that we have socialism. And if you don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America. Artificially intelligent to AI I'm your future, best and present, I'm a father
And officials are calling the last surviving Nazi collaborator. Authorities say the 94-year-old came here in 1949, hiding his past as an armed guard in a brutal Nazi prison camp. He was stripped of his citizenship years ago, but he remained here in the U.S. It is until now, and ABC's Tara Palmieri is here with the story. Tara, good morning. Good morning, Paula. Yakif Pauly has been living in the shadows for decades. A man authorities say is the last known surviving Nazi collaborator on U.S. soil. Until now, living in Queens, New York, his presence there bringing on years of outrage from the surrounding community. But this morning, he's been deported to Germany at the direct order of President Trump. ABC News was there exclusively as ICE agents wheeled Yakif Pauly from his New York home. Sir, are you a Nazi? You're watching a now frail 95-year-old man finally being deported for his alleged role as an armed guard at a Nazi death camp in Poland decades after his alleged involvement. Any regrets, sir? Do you have any regrets? Justice Department investigators say Pauli was complicit in the deaths of thousands of Jews during World War II. Authorities say Pauli lied to immigration officials when he first entered the U.S. in 1949. And it wasn't until 2003 that he was exposed as an alleged war criminal and stripped of his U.S. citizenship. Anything you'd like to say, sir? Anything. The lead investigator saying in 2004, quote, during a single nightmarish day in November 1943, all of the more than 6,000 prisoners of the Nazi camp that Yaqi Pali had guarded were systematically butchered. A judge ordered him deported in 2005, but no country would take him. For years, protesters gathered outside his home in Queens, demanding action. Members of Congress imploring President Trump to finish what was started, to send a message to the entire world that the United States stands firmly against anti-Semitism, bigotry and hatred. The deportation drawing rare praise for Trump from top Democrats. He's a war criminal. He didn't deserve to live in the United States. He doesn't deserve to die in the United States, a place of freedom and equality where we respect each other's differences. Sources tell ABC News the president became fixated on the case, ordering his new ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, to make Pali's deportation a top priority after being sworn in. It's unclear what's next for him. He's being detained by the German government, but they're still evaluating his legal status since they don't consider him to be a German citizen. So deported overnight, future to be determined in Germany. Exactly. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. We don't want to know anything you have to give, but we are going to go back in time to eight years ago when there was a trial and how CBS was talking about it, which, by the way, I just wanted to say, I, um, is Uber buying NBC? I repeat, is Uber buying NBC? Or has Universal purchased Uber? Food for thought. With 300,000 counts of accessory to murder, German prosecutors are pursuing more than a dozen aging Nazis under a new legal theory that death camp workers can be held accountable for the Holocaust even if they didn't murder anyone with their own hand. Mark Phillips is covering the trial. Oscar Gruning now, a frail 93-year-old man with a dark past. Oscar Gruning then, a member of the Waffen-SS, the most Nazi of the Nazis, stationed at Auschwitz. Hedy Bohm now, here on the right, an 86-year-old grandmother. Hedy Bohm then, 
a teenager deported to Auschwitz with more than 400,000 other Hungarian Jews, where the vast majority, including both her parents, were murdered. Oskar Gruning says he didn't directly kill anybody, that he was just a cog in the Nazi murder machine. But without cogs, machines don't run. Eddie Bohm will testify against him. So what about the nurses, the doctors, the pharmaceutical companies that provided all these vaccines? Well, they use the same thing, saying he was just doing his job. He didn't directly kill anyone. He just did what he was told because he didn't know. Why the fuck did you go to school then if you didn't know? How did you not know? I cried after my mom and she heard me. The family were separated as the train carrying them and thousands of others arrived at Auschwitz. We just looked at each other and she didn't say a word. Then I saw her turn and walk away. I didn't know at the time that that was the road that led to the crematoriums, to the gas chambers. Oscar Gruning's job was to collect the victim's valuables. He was the bookkeeper of death, the Auschwitz accountant. He pleaded to the court that while he was morally guilty, he was not legally guilty. In all the German war crimes trials until now, Gruning's argument is right. Even for the Nazi brass, like Hermann Goring at Nuremberg, direct proof was required. But Oskar Gruning's trial is different. For the first time, complicity in aiding the murder machine may be enough. Hetty Bohm was in court and listened to Gruning's plea. So let's think about this for a moment. His complicity. How many doctors turned you away from health care because you didn't take the vaccine? I hope you guys took note. How many businesses were complicit and disallowed you to enjoy services which were not necessary? Same standard? Not really. But isn't healthcare being pushed as something that is a human right that everyone deserves? How many of them turned you away? How many said, I'm not seeing you unless you've complied? All of you wore a Jewish yellow star in 2021, didn't you? How many of your selected officials, let's go to Ohio, who now Ohio is being asked tomorrow, and I'll be going to vote, to forfeit their rights, right? That's, that's exactly it. They're forfeiting their rights to the same people that decided that they are less human. Remember, this Nazi, during court, as you hear, was held accountable for his complicity in the crimes that were conducted. So what about all the healthcare institutions that denied you medical care because you did not comply. Will they claim ignorance? Where in the Hippocratic Oath does it say that they can refuse health care if you do not participate in an experiment? They all knew it was an experiment. The doctors didn't take the fucking vaccine. Neither did the majority of the nurses. When I said Nuremberg trials in 2018, I meant it. See, that's the problem we have. 
you have your Uncle Toms, your African tribe leaders, and your Nazi leaders telling you forfeit your rights to the selected individuals. Remember, in Ohio, they had this whole thing about a bill about vaccines. And if you remember, it was the Republicans that turned around and said, well, you know, I don't know if I feel comfortable about this chamber of fucking commerce that's also pushing for issue one. Yes. Right. That people might not have a store within 100 miles to go. And if they're not vaccinated, they won't be able to access it. And you know what they said? We don't care. Yet here we are with your fantastic influencers and that big ass money and you might say you think you line's a bad guy no maybe he was just sold the narrative that he's so passionate about saving lives protecting the unborn or some other bullshit that they fed him where he opened up his wallet and said here you go yes we need conservatism they're pushing the narrative that catholic for catholics and we know what the catholic church stands for now and while many catholics despise me stating it you know it's true your religion isn't your leaders your religion isn't your church when two or more gather in my name so then what is it here was i right in 2018 when i told you you're gonna see nuremberg trials i also stated that a president that took a second term with a different vice president consecutively almost definitely gets assassinated, but in this case, there's a hiatus-ish, I guess, and therefore it will just be nature. Remember that. And X is marking the spot right now where it has been discussed, it has been purported, and yet here we are following the people just doing their fucking job. And their job is to tell you to forfeit your rights their job is to tell you that you're doing it in the name of the greater good, just like uh, Ronald Reagan said. And yet you follow them with no problem, with no question. Isn't that interesting? So Oscar Grunick says he accepts a measure of moral guilt, but not yet legal guilt. Yes. Do you buy that? I don't find it enough. I believe it's a cop-out. The German record for the prosecution of war crimes has not been impressive. Of the just over 6,000 SS members who were alive at the end of the war, the number who have been prosecuted and convicted, Scott, is fewer than 50. Mark Phillips reporting for us tonight. Mark, thank you very much. So that concluded the last nazi to be taken into account and dealt with was in 2018. wow how long did that take i was a long time and how many of them lived right i was a long time i mean we need these tribunals yesterday i love tribunals they're coming quick they're coming in hot it'll be pretty interesting you know many people are uh, you know, jumped on the train of the Joseph Mengele and da 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 da, which is uh, accurate, very accurate, very 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 accurate. But, 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 but it's important for us to remember what they've done and what they've said. They've said a lot of things. Let's talk about slave history for a second, so you can understand how you're also a slave. 
It wasn't the white man that came on the boat and snatched people. It was their very own selling them out. We're on their neck. Yeah, yeah. True. Yes, there will be. It should be in a single file. Yeah. In the straight road. This another neck, another neck. It could have been like hundred. Wow, man. This is very heavy. And they wear this all day, every time. Yeah, why they're taking it away? And it's even this thing at the back is so not comfortable. Yeah. And that's their drinking pot here. Oh, this is where they drink and from. They don't allow them to use cup, but they almost they tie the hand at the back. They drink water this way. Wow. So everybody, imagine, so everybody goes yeah, in. Imagine why the water gets below. Mm -hmm. Why struggling the edge and see injure this thing? Wow. Just putting the chain on my neck, those chains were so heavy and it was hot in my neck as you can see in the video. And these people had to go through all of this and they had no choice. Separated from their families, separated from everybody that they knew and sold. As you can imagine how these people were treated. So now we're going to the point of no return and for us to do that we have to cross over this lagoon here and get to the other side. That's where we see the point of no return. Point of no return is a point where once slaves get to, they can't come back anymore. You know, Badagi was founded around 1425. Okay. By a man called Agbede. 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 Okay. Yeah. And Agbede means blacks meet in Europe. The slave ship, which is called cargo ship, okay. will be awaiting the slave. On the other side. On the other side of the That's beach. at the Atlantic Ocean. The ocean yeah. They will come in, get to the town, get the, the number of slaves that they want. Okay. After getting the slaves, They've now walked in in a single file. Down to the beach. Beach. They'll be in a straight roll. Wow. And that heavy chain will be on their necks. You know most times when they talk about the slave trade. Okay. It's always looking like okay, just only the Europeans that were selling slaves. But it kind of seems like we Nigerians were also selling ourselves as slaves. Very, very correct. Like me that I'm standing with you. Yeah. My forefathers were not slave traders, but we own slaves. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Okay. You understand? How do we own our slave? If you have a money then, yeah. you can move down to the market yeah. and buy your slaves. Okay. In the market, you buy slaves. From wow. The so they used to sell slaves like like like, like something like, like going to Mr. Big. You see, this is what really happened. Is it it's of two sides of it. Okay. In some part of Congo, even a part of Nigeria, yeah. there's some places that they invaded. Okay. And they took the people away forcefully as a slave. Okay. But in some part of it, there's some part whereby the Africans, locals, or the chiefs, the warriors, they are also their facilitators. They sell their own people. Because when they came, okay, they, uh, you know, we fought war then. Okay. You know, man want to, you want to dominate your domain, your kingdom. Okay. You understand? That ego is within us. Yeah, you yeah. So, like now, if your village and my village had a fight, yeah. eventually, if you want the fight, you take you take the people away as a slave to your own town. To your own town, and just like yeah. Walking, yeah, you understand. Yeah. Just and like they do in war. And, war, uh, yeah. Okay, the victim of war, you understand. Yeah. yeah. So they will be working for you. Yeah. But when the European came, they made the trade on ground. Oh, they made the slave trade. So and the slave trade was already happening, happening when they before came. they arrived. Yeah. Wow. So they made the trade on ground. Okay. We been enslaving ourselves before they arrive Africa. We betrayed ourselves. Hmm. Which is still happening up to today. Up to today, yeah. That's, hey, that's, that's, that's where I'm going so, to with this, yeah. So if you check record, go and check record. Or quote me. Yeah. Most of the slave facilitators, their children, children were the ones still ruling in Africa up to today. Hmm. Yeah. So you see the same system going on up till date. 
the blames are on both sides. Sides. The European and the African. And the African. Facilitators, you, you understand? Yeah. As a child, when I was growing up, the story my own forefather, my grandfather, my father used to tell me then about who we are on the surface of Earth. I, I realized that we are very, very powerful. Hmm. We can disappear. You can True. tell the ground to open, I will open. How That's come, Africans, right? Africa, yes. Yeah. How comes the European comes around and, and force, our, our, force our, us our, to yeah, do what we didn't want to do, yeah? Later, I now realize that we sold ourselves. ourselves into slavery. They know, they too, they know that we are very, very powerful. They know who we are. You understand? But it seems we don't know who we are. <laughs> we don't know the power that we have. <laughs> we know that we are very powerful. Out of 12 disciples, there will always be a Judas. We are Judas. You understand? Somebody must betray one person, you understand? Slave spirit at a nation. Well. well. Hmm. Let's say the water. To buttress. Now, who does this well? That's the question. This well was done by the African ships. Hmm. Why do they have to do the well? Good. Now, the movement of Africans mm -hmm. to America through that it's known as Middle Perse. They call it Middle Perse. And the name of the slave ship is called Cargo Ship, which could take like 600, 700. You know, it was the Portuguese that started the trade. Yeah. Most of the slaves moved from Africa then, they stood them to Lisbon. Okay. Lisbon is a very big slave market in Portugal then. Yeah. Where everybody get to get their slave. Then later, along with that, the English joined. And hmm. the name of the first slave ship is being a Jesus of Lubeck or Good Ship Jesus, hmm. owned by King Henry VIII of England then. But later Queen Elizabeth rented it out to one of slaves that called John Hawkins. And they said taking Africans away as a slave to work for them. And hmm. most of the town in America, even though the White House uh, uh, built the was built by, by black people. Black people. Now, on the slave ship, we could have like 600, 7, 3, 200. It depends on the size of the slave ship. And the crew that were taking the slave away, they are no more than probably 25 to 30 people. They were taking like 600 or 300 slaves away. So, most often, why taking it away? If the slave spotted the land mm -hmm. and it's aggravated them, you understand? Or they have any opportunity, they'll kill all the crew on board. They will not add the sailor to sail down to any available land. They will not. The only person they will not kill them is the, the sailor. They will ask the sailor to sail back to any available. I think that's what happened in Guadalupe and some part, most of the Caribbean. Those oh, okay. Haiti, Haiti, all those places, yeah. So now the African chiefs came up with the idea. What can they do so that the slave will be less aggressive? That's where they have to do the work. Hmm. Once the slave walk with a heavy chain, they stop over with beer. They will give them the water to drink. When they consume the water, we are told that they will lose their memory. Wow, it wipe their memory? But it's not for life, for three to four months. It will weaken them. Not really that you wipe, maybe wipe their memory. Yeah. Why are they taking them as they <laughs> wipe? You know, they can't. True, they can't do anything. Uh -huh. Wow. So it will weaken them for three to four months. By then, they will have sailed down to Europe or America. They will not regain their yeah, memories back. Wow. So, God might call it slave attention, so call it memory loss. Well. But ironically, some say the water is still effective. Some say it's not effective. So if I drink this, if I drink this water now, I'll, I'll forget my, I'll, I'll forget my memory for the next four, four, four months. Uh, so four months or three, four months. But some say the power is still there. Some say it's still effective. Some say it's not effective. But we don't know how true this is because we never see a single source. Okay, let me let me try it. See, I'm gonna. Although sometimes you see some tourists say they will take it, but when we get here, 
area that the water is dirty. Dirty, yeah. They score it. Yeah, the yeah. So, but when they, after giving them the water, they will now move them to the point of no return. But this this well was dug by Africans. Chiefs, yeah. The chiefs. Yeah. Even in Benin. They also have their one own, too. Okay. Their own in Widai, their own is a tree. Hmm. Like this. We call it tree of memory loss. The women will go around the tree seven times, the men nine times. And we are told that they will lose their, lose their memory. Wow. This is the point of no return that I was telling you guys about. By the time the slaves get here, this is where they bought the ships that take them all the way to Europe and all those other countries where they have been sold. The monument that used to be here, yeah, is this straight pool here. This okay, this one, yeah. yeah. This will be an object on top there. Okay. That the object symbolizes human being, and the thing that connected them, we call it Ark of the Pacture. Arc of the pasture. So when they move then they'll pass under the arc of the pasture. This is the bottom of the slave ship. Yeah. One slave head here. The, the next one that we follow is on the, the head, the leg, yeah, the leg head here. The reason that they don't want the miss of communication within there. Oh, yeah, wow. So another deck, another deck. The state government came up with beautiful idea. I used to call it beautiful idea. Okay. That they should build another monument in conjunction with the arc of the pasture. And that's why they have to control this tunnel. Oh, now when okay. tourists comes here, you go in, probably there's going to be some artwork, pictures. Inside, that, yeah. You go in as if you are going to Europe or America, then yeah. you come back to Africa. Africa. Oh, so that's how it goes. Tour of return. return. Of no more point of no return. return. But this project that you are seeing here is getting them. One that probably getting to 10 years now. 10 years? Limitlessly. So we don't know where they're going. Completed. Wow. It's very troubling to listen to and see all of it. It's extremely troubling and listening to and seeing all of this repeating itself. While they have the slaves drink from a well, now people drink from PR, advertising, the news, and those that have allegedly been elected into office, wiping the minds of the slaves. How quickly they forget. Hillary Clinton even said it, who cares? People forget, they forget. Now I'm gonna play a song, but in the background I will be playing another song that I don't want to listen to only because the frequency is so disturbing, but the lyrics will be on your screen. It's quite interesting how so many lack the ability of discernment. It's actually very sad. And then while many seek, oh, what was it that was in that well? Well, you know, Homer talked about it too how they ate some specific fruit and forgot. It's almost like we don't even know what that is now, right? Allegedly, of course. Why would you? Well, let's begin this review. Well, I'm going to take you back to 2020 where I was, a, <laughs> I was lucky, but I want to play a short clip. Please take a listen. And those are selected by them. Who gives us the better publicity? Who will, you know, make us more money? Who can we parade around? You know, that's how it works. I want you guys to think. Remember, I told you when this first started that the coronavirus is highly targeted to specific genetic codes. What I realized, though, through reading various results and research online that people have been posting from South Korea, from Italy, from China, from India, um, you know, in these chat groups that there are certain markers um, in the immune system that are being targeted. And the one thing that I noticed was it was consistent with the pneumonia vaccine, number one, and that has to do with the vector and think 
Who is it that gets pneumonia vaccine, guys? That's right. People over the age of 65. That's number one. Number two, uh, people that have a dormant or active HIV recessor. What do I mean? So there were cohorts that were put out globally, and this is supposedly a secret. And if anyone says, well, prove it to me, I can't, because no one's going to tell you that through certain vaccinations, they actually infected people with latent HIV. Um, and this goes down to that. Have you guys seen that commercial where there's like a bunch of people on TV? Yeah, you know, I take this, you know, because I have a partner that has HIV and I want to not get HIV and they take pills. Now, oh gosh, the, the medication name is slipping my mind, you guys. Um, darn it. It'll come to me at some point. Anyway, so in, in that TV commercial, it's all these people. They have regular people, trans people, gay people, straight people, polyamorous people. And they're all saying they're taking this. But what that medication does is actually it gives you HIV so that you don't get the other HIV. Make sense? So that's what's bizarre. <laughs> they're giving people HIV so they don't get HIV or AIDS. And it's like, that's not how it works. But anyway... So it seems that people that are high in the political sphere are the ones that have to worry about getting this. Because apparently, if you've got any inclinage or may have been exposed to HIV, you may be in a lot of trouble. And so what tickles me and blows my mind is that I saw that there was a disease that they call disease X happening in Africa. In Nigeria, 15 people died. In Ethiopia, tons. And in this, this disease X, which means they don't know what it is, I'm going to tell you what my little brain calculated. And this is a hypothesis, but it's not far off. I said all the victims of this disease, this um, disease X, which is like flu symptoms for 24 hours, and then they're like bleeding from their eyes. They're like dead. Uh, some of these people can actually survive uh, for a little while, and then they send them home to just go and die. Um, it's happening. Guess what? In areas where they have a high population of people that have full-blown AIDS or, you know, HIV. And so I'm thinking, wow, if they're all dying and their eyes are like bleeding, literally, right, literally bleeding. Um, and this has been happening for 30 days. So I've been following it on the back end on chat boards uh, to see when people drop something. But I noticed that the statistics that came in from Ethiopia, they were from a specific faction. You know how they used to have lepers and leper colonies? So they have like AIDS colonies, right? And basically, it's not really a colony. It's like, you know who it is. So it's like, yeah, you're, you, we don't know. You stay there. Uh, these are people that have AIDS and HIV. So it m makes me think. So someone that has had HIV, right? Because, you know, Magic Johnson and all magic. <laughs> or, um, and Bon Jovi, right? What happened with that? Didn't he have AIDS in like the 90s? He announced it and then everything went dead. It's like, nope, nope, nope. We don't know what you're talking about. I could have sworn. Maybe it's the Mandela effect. How many out you? I'd really like to know. DM me or email me at Tori at Tori says dot com or um, Twitter or on Facebook. Tori says page. 
tell you remember John Bon Jovi telling people that he had AIDS because I kind of remember that and uh, you know it, uh, it blows my mind he doesn't have it anymore kind of like Magic Johnson such magical stuff but and I didn't know about him getting any magical stuff but um, the thing is is I'm noticing you know the people that are getting it are up there um, and this is kind of like a scoop it's not, you know, out there yet, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, my horses are pretty stellar. Someone from the royal family actually has um, coronavirus. So I, I can't verify that, but I trust that source. They've given me some really good stuff in the past. They even told me about the um, Canadian Brexit. Uh, no, crowns it. What? Wait, Harry being, you know, lapdog supposed strategy for them to leave and go to Canada, that one. So I want you guys to think. We already have cure to AIDS and HIV because you have to think HIV was the biggest weapon, the biggest weapon ever deployed and a political weapon. I can almost guarantee you that they can end you in a heartbeat by having you under control. I can just, through... Uh, what they have given you. Think about it this way. You know, a lot of people ask me about vaccines. Oh, should I get the flu? I'm not going to give you any advice. And I would never take whatever decision you make for yourself and your children on you. But I want to point out that almost 80% of babies who die suddenly, you know, in their sleep have just been vaccinated. I'm just going to put that out there. You could check the statistics with the CDC. You could check it because that's statistics. So biowarfare is something that is one of the most disgusting and double-edged swords ever. Because once you deploy an agent like that, you don't know how it's going to work because these people are so stupid, so dumb. When you manipulate your genetics to the point that you are where you are, Pelosi, and the rest of you. Your body is such a miracle of a machine that it rectifies. I've, I've many, many times said that, you know, crazy sensation I had when I saw that Craig Ventner had created his own bacterium. So mycobacterium tumefaciae, not tumefaciae, genitalium, um, he had that and he knocked out all the virulent germs that that, you know, bacteria has and in a very controlled environment meaning you control the temperature the oxygen anything that goes in and out to be completely sterile that bacterium was no longer virulent means it cannot infect people it cannot do anything and the reason that he was doing this was because he wanted to make that bacteria which is the one of the most simplest genetic codes that exist into a bacteria that creates gas he wanted to create one that creates ethanol just right there just tons of bacteria i mean that's super cheap that's a genius idea and remember who this guy is he's a high school dropout that along with his partner, took 10 years to decode the whole human genome. You remember the human genome product project? That was him. So he did this, but guess what? The minute he brought it out into nature where he didn't control the air, didn't control the uh, temperature, didn't control the water, uh, the food, whatever that was around him, right? 
anything around that bacteria, guess what happened? Those genomes he knocked out suddenly appeared. So no matter how many genomes they knock out, no matter how structured they believe it is, nature is incredible. Why? Because it's powered by a power source you cannot recreate. And that is something the creator created. So they will come at their own mice. But in the meantime, we already have the cures. So they can do as they wish. That's that's how it goes. They could do as they wish on that. They could do as they wish. So that was an episode from March 2nd, 2020. Of course, I was just lucky because no one was talking so much about COVID at the time. I was. I also told you to remember where Pelosi was with the fortune fucking cookies. And now there's like a lab with mice. Nah, 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 nah. You know, I'm extremely salty today. Because, you know, I see people, oh, Trump should have not backed it. Like I said on my show, I'm not going to make a decision for you. I can give you all the facts and you can decide. Free will is the epitome of mankind. Free will was what imprisoned you here. And speaking of prisons, you know, I was thinking of a hypothetical situation. I had a uh, an excursion, so, and I, I thought of how I can verbalize it. You know, and 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 looking at all these, uh, you know, spiritual discussions that people have, the Buddhists, you know, you name it, right? And. I was looking, I was, I actually stumbled upon a video. I was listening to music and then this video started to play. Thanks algorithm where it was talking about reincarnation. Now, do you believe in reincarnation? I'm not going to tell you what I believe or I don't believe because see, see the problem is, is that people get swayed, but I want to share with you a perspective that might challenge your perceptions in how you see things. And, and this challenged me too. And I realized, and I know this is going to sound pretty out there, but I would hate to be a tree. Super odd statement to make. I hate to be a tree. <laughs> but I would. Have you ever observed a tree? Maybe a baby tree. It's growing, thin trunk, leaves are sprouting, right? What about the old ones that have been there for a couple hundred years? Well, there's a notion that this earthly existence, what we call life, could be a form of hell. And indeed, it gives one pause for contemplation, considering <laughs> the doors of hell are locked from the inside. But imagine for a moment about the idea of reincarnation, okay? just the idea of it, and the possibility of returning to this realm in various forms. You know? Now, consider being reincarnated as a tree. At first glance, you might say that's kind of tranquil and serene and harmonious with nature. But as you dig deeper into that thought, you might find a profound torment in such an existence. Yes, trees may have some communication with each other, and it is proven. I mean, my whole agrobacterium tumefaciens uh, theory that I should publish one day, you know, every now and then I get emails from my professors. Hey, have you published that yet? <laughs> they communicate. 
through roots, right? With subtle chemical signals and the intermingling of their roots, yet they remain immobile and voiceless, witnessing everything around them, witnesses to the changing world around them. And they see their surroundings shift with the passage of time, but their role is merely that of a spectator, unable to defend themselves or interact in a dynamic way. A stoic might find wisdom in the notion of endurance and accepting the limitations of the state of being a tree, but also acknowledging the inherent struggle. To be trapped as a tree, unable to take action to shape one's destiny, or even to protect oneself, could indeed be a form of torture for the soul yearning for a higher purpose, no? So it is in this context why one might contemplate the choices made in this current life, or past ones if you believe in that. If the cycle of reincarnation is real, would we not seek the most challenging and transformative experiences in life to break free from the constraints that bind us? Therein lies the paradox. As the cycle continues, we may beg after spending 500 years as a tree, having people strung up on it and hung, the first kisses that you observe, the murders, the urbanization, the discussions that you may hear. You may beg to return to this plane of existing, choosing the hardest and the most trying life imaginable because the one prior to the one as a tree was a failure. And since you chose to be a spectator, you were awarded with the most spectator-like afterlife. I mean, think about it. You would choose the hardest and most trying life imaginable because anything would be preferable than being imprisoned as a tree. Yet, we should approach this perspective with humility and deep understanding of the intricacies of existence. We may not fully grasp the grand design or the purpose of one's being, but we can embrace the mysteries with grace and dignity. So while you contemplate these profound concepts, and don't take them as transliteral or literal or however you want to see it, but ponder on it, you must also remember the profound interconnections of all life, of every living being that surrounds you because our journey as sentient beings intertwines with the flora the fauna and our collective existence in a shaped uh i would say it is formed or it is shaped with the delicate balance of nature perhaps Instead of despairing in our condition and the moment of time we are in, which is a very massive war, we can find solace in the cycles of life and the opportunity for growth and self-discovery. And embracing the stoic wisdoms of accepting our circumstances, yet asserting our will to make a difference. And that may guide us towards a life of purpose and fulfillment. No? I mean... That's just food for thought. You know, and as I was contemplating that, sitting in nature, 
and just observing trees, I realized that, you know, what we mock as NPCs are really just people trapped in their own prison of lies, immobilized and simply spectators. And you know, the human mind is so intricate. It takes trauma and eradicates it, but then fuels and creates foundations of how you move forward. It's pretty profound, if you think about it. It is, and it's terrifying. But let's go to a lecture from Australia, discussing pathogens. This is from 2019, before the release of COVID. And I stress, before the release of COVID. Please enjoy this lecture. Retrovirus. It's called HERV-W. Nomenclature as all the others. And this is what the genome would have looked like when it inserted itself. These little wiggly lines are the human chromosome. And the virus has inserted itself here. Won't worry too much about these nomenclature. These simply mean they're names for different genes. But you'll notice the end one, right? So I talked to you about the end before. The gene encodes the protein that drives the fusion. It's a fusion machine. This is what it looks like now in the human chromosome. Gag and Poll have acquired deletions and mutations that mean they're no longer functional. So this, is, this cannot come out as a virus. It can't emerge out of the uh, chromosome as a virus anymore. However, what, we, what was discovered, and this was discovered in that first uh, edition of the human genome back in 2000. We didn't know what it did in those days, and, but we now subsequently worked it out. Um, it's a full-length open reading frame for a protein. It's got a start codon and a finish codon, so it's fully intact. Essentially, the envelope protein of a retrovirus. When they looked at all the different tissues as to where it's expressed, it was found that it was expressed in highest levels, in fact, almost uniquely, in the placental tissue. The gene is now called syncytin. It causes membrane fusion. What does it do? When an embryo implants into the uterine wall, it, needs, it ultimately develops a, an umbilical cord. How that actually begins is the development of a single layer of cells called the syncytiotrophoblast. And that is a fused cell population. So it's the one cell, multinucleated, that's been fused. The protein that does that is this viral envelope protein that was once a virus. So we are placental mammals because of this virus. This is, this is what it looks like in the very early stages of a blast, blastocyst entering into the uh, uterine wall. And that syncytiotrophoblast is absolutely critical because what it does is it provides the um, exchange of nutrients and waste for, uh, for the embryo. Uh, one other fact, I'm probably running out of time to talk too much about this, but it, it's so cool. Um, these envelope and allow me to interject. Remember, I did a whole show on HeLa cells. <laughs> Funny how they were in the news and they settled. I hope you're paying attention. 
See, truth has a way of resonating, but education does too. It cannot be linear. You can't open your mouth and start from alpha and go to omega. You have to take someone on a journey. Because even in your brain, the connections made to information are not done in a linear fashion. Now, throughout our years having these discussions, many of you have been able to. But again, it is the noise of those with self-preservation on their mind. First to click, first to say. You should be paying attention to those that bring encouragement. You know the only people I actually listen to? I'll tell you who they are. There's three entities. One, it's God. Well, four, I guess. Two, it's my president. Three, it's a group called Entheos. And four, my gut. And I think everyone should have a less than five count on where they can go and extract the key points so that they can thump off of. Because I watch a lot of things. And I'll provide you a, a little tip on cognitive therapy. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Though my rounds in the psych ward were pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I chose the internships that I did through medical school. And I am sad that I never, you know, took my exam and that I never defended my thesis to actually practice. And the reason that I chose that was because when I was taking classes, which, you know, which are ICM classes, which, you know, pretty much teach you how to patient care, I realized that this was nothing but another consumer machine. And it was while interesting at attending I can tell you it was one of the most disheartening times of my life. And this is why I chose to work at the Good Samaritan uh, Hospital Unit of the University of Kentucky as opposed to Chandler, because that is where they took the most broke patients. That's the only place that Medicaid or homeless people would be seen. And I chose the telemetry unit because that is where most of the homeless and impoverished would be. And it was quite fascinating to see the distinction in how surgeries were performed on those that had money, what data, tissues, and information were collected from those that have money and those that don't. I say this with a very heavy heart, and I am already mourning. And so this weekend was quite a, a, a good way. And, and, and it was so disturbing to me that I actually was physically sick, literally because of what's to come. And while many people are forecasting our political, you know, oh, well, you know, they're going to drag it on and do this. Well, no, because there are Trump cards that aren't even Trump cards. Trump doesn't even know they exist because that's how divine intervention happens. You don't see it coming, even though it's been there for a while, talking to you on your TV, <laughs> holding your hand. That little nagging divine intervention isn't going to tell you, hi, I'm here. It's always been there. It's just when is it that it will amplify is the question. And unfortunately, that's something you have to make as a reality. And so here's where I segue a cognitive method to come out of ruts. The majority of people that I encountered at the psych ward 
And these topics, such as the virus, coronavirus, the medicines, the protocols, the is it this, is it that, right, are suffering from this. People can't sleep. People can't turn their thoughts off. They're, they're freaking out. Well, what do they do? Do they go and take medications? Do they smoke weed? How do they slow down their thoughts? And I'll tell you how it is. With an example, I was sitting with someone that I simply adore in the evening, looking up at the sky, and it was clear. The stars were out, fires crackling. It was a little bit, you know, it was like almost fall-like weather. And um, the person said, oh, man, it would be so cool if I saw something. You know, you always see things in the sky. And I was like, be careful what you wish for. I urge everyone when you have these thoughts, no matter how many thoughts you have, Let's say it's 10 mashed up. Speak them out loud to yourself. Have a conversation with yourself. You know, people have stopped me many times saying, are you talking to yourself? I'm like, yeah, dude, I need an expert opinion. Of course I'm talking to myself and asking myself for answers. It's important that you verbalize the things you are thinking all the time. This disallows the interconnection congestion. That's number one. Number two, the be careful what you wish for is very important. Anytime you ask for something, because he tells you, ask and you will receive. I asked, so what is it that you want to see? What do you think would be cool? I don't know. Like, you know, if aliens are real, then I would totally love to see the aircraft come down. And I'm like, okay, so let's pretend my fat ass was a genie bottle and you rubbed it. How would you like to see this movie go? Or how better yet, let's pretend both of us are actually the actors in a movie. And someone else is observing it. How would the movie go? And that's key. When you ask for solutions, ask and you shall receive, you must understand what you are asking. Are you asking for the, you know, this is just a random thing. It could be someone saying, I want a million dollars. Okay, how do you visualize that? What if a million dollars came at the expense of your whole family being hit by a car and annihilated so you get a million dollars from insurance? Would you like that? No, 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 I wouldn't like that. Then be careful what you ask for. And this is why prayers go ignored. Because how well do you understand what you are asking for? I would like to have better health. My liver is horrible. Well, in order for me to do that, I would have to pray that someone dies so that I can get their liver. Do I want that on my conscience? Absolutely not. Again, it's important that we understand what we ask for. It is important that we understand the responsibility that comes with things that we ask for. So when I see people say, I want to see him hang, what if that came at an expense? See, sometimes when you have thoughts or you want to put out a prayer, it's very important to understand what you are asking for. You know, I watched the Roseanne Barr interview with Blair White, which I absolutely adore her, right? And she said, well, I don't necessarily believe in God, but I can see that there's godlessness, which in, in essence proves that there is God. But I can tell you when he does listen, 
when you know exactly what you want. And mine was very, very simple. And even from that moment on, and I knew, oh, that's the, that's the way you get direct communication. I still struggle to do it. See, the only thing I said was, I want you to take control. And it was at the point that I had nothing. And boy, did it work. And then since then, right? Oh, it's not been, you know, all honey, milk, roses. Because there are consequences on things you ask. Think about that for a second as you watch the rest of this little portion that we're playing. Pay attention. Virus also have in embedded within sequences that suppress the immune response. It's one of the reasons why retroviruses can be immunosuppressive and cause, cause disease. But one of the issues that has always um, intrigued um, um, those working in, in reproductive, reproductive biology is um, embryos are often not tissue matched with their mother. Why aren't they rejected? It turns out that this envelope protein also contributes in that way by local immune suppression. To, allow to, to engage and fully develop. So the main reason I'm here, <laughs> let's get onto that. But the reason for actually raising all this, of trying to give you a better impression of this virus-host interaction is not all about causing disease, is that evolution tends to drive uh, stasis between these agents. What, what is driving um, the evolution of both the host and the virus is some sort of reproductive advantage. You don't get a reproductive advantage by killing your host, okay? So what we find is that most virus-hosting interactions that have been going on for a long period of time, both the host and the virus have, have evolved to low pathogenicity, low disease. They become commensal. In some cases, as you saw in the previous example, they've actually assisted with our own evolution, so they can be highly beneficial. So natural selection favours viruses losing that disease-causing capacity. It's quite possible that when retroviruses first engaged with us all those millions of years ago, it wasn't good for us. Uh, we didn't know that uh, um, at the time. Uh, we, did, we didn't know that because it was an ancient event. Um, I'm involved in a research project. We discovered that there was a, uh, an endogenous retrovirus um, in koalas. And uh, through various studies, what we found was that it's currently invading the genome and it's spreading through the koala population from north to south. Up here, up here every, every koala has this, uh, is this uh, virus integration, but down south they don't. And certainly we're seeing disease. We're seeing um, high rates of cancers, high rates of opportunistic infections like media, but there are also populations of koalas that have the virus that are f uh, very healthy. But they're already starting to climatize to having, having this um, uh, virus with them. But it's not been smooth sailing. They're actually suffering from, from this virus at the moment. So they don't eradicate uh, their natural hosts. W what's the point of that? Remember, it's a mobile genetic element. From an evolutionary perspective, um, what it wants is a host that's able to transmit efficiently. I suspect if a virus that's embedded itself into the genome of its host has reached nirvana, because it's basically there forever and it just will continually uh, continually pass on.
is my own. 